It's the weekend, so relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Chapter 14 Twenty-two minutes later, the front door of the sprawling mansion opened, and a footman tripped his way down the steps in an effort to precede his employer to the door of the limousine. The door was opened for the distracted young man, now nattily reattired and looking very little the worse for wear for his supposed evening of debauchery the night before. August Fenwick slipped in the door, still reading the banner story of the morning chronicle. "'Morning, boss,' his driver said cheerfully, as if she hadn't seen him in their secret lair a short time ago. He seemed surprised by the greeting, and Kit started the engine hurriedly to encourage the footman to close the door before her boss dropped the ball altogether. Something must have rattled his cage for him to lose the thread of the whole secret identity routine, even for an instant. A moment later they were on their way down the lane. His composure now returned. "'Everything okay?' she asked, expecting an answer in the negative." "'Martin Davies was killed last night,' he said, indicating the paper in apparent disbelief. "'The millionaire?' Kit was surprised. "'Was it murder?' "'No. An accident, by the look of things. "'There was a fire. It doesn't really say how it started. "'Wait.' He read silently for a moment. "'It says the fire seems to have spilled out from a fireplace and spread.' Martin was apparently asleep in a chair nearby. "'I'm sorry, boss. You were friends, weren't you?' she asked. "'I've known Martin Davies all my life,' he said, as if it were the same thing. "'You weren't. It's been quite a while since there was anyone who knew anything that I would consider important about my life,' he said, frowning. "'Present company accepted,' she said too softly for him to hear. They rode for a moment in silence. "'I can't help but wonder if this is as simple as it appears,' he said at last. "'We are kind of in the middle of something right now,' she said gently. "'And investigating his gadabout and trusty driver ain't nearly as easy.' He shook his head. "'Someone went to a great deal of trouble to try and kill the red panda and the flying squirrel. "'I still think we should let them think they've succeeded until we have something to go on.' "'Yes, boss,' she nodded. "'That being the case—' That being the case, you wonder if we should really moonlight on another crime? If it's a crime, it's a crime, she shrugged. I'm game for anything. But it'll still be waiting when I've mopped up the floor with whoever tried to drop a building on me, won't it? He smiled a little, in spite of himself. I'm sorry, Kit. I made a lot of choices. I don't regret many of them. But an unpleasant side effect of the life I chose is that I live an elaborate lie, hiding my true self from people that think they know me. Martin Davies was one of those people I've lied to. He thought he knew me well. He'd have told you we were old friends. I owe him something. Kit nodded a little as she drove. She understood, perhaps more than anyone else could. Right then, she said, turning the car, we stop at the Club Macaw. Maybe something shakes loose. He smiled and looked affectionately at the back of her head until an instant before she looked in the rearview mirror and saw him staring out the side window. Twenty minutes later, the powerful engine of the limousine fell silent before a fashionable gentleman's club in the heart of the city. Kit Baxter stepped from the front seat and gave the advancing doorman a glare that froze him in his tracks. 
She stepped quickly around the length of the car and opened the rear door herself. Ryan, the doorman, noted the tall, very well-dressed man who stepped forth from the back seat. At the Club Macaw, such sights were commonplace, as all the members were wealthy, powerful men of industry and influence. But most of them were soft, and some downright foolish. There was something about August Fenwick that always struck Ryan as unique. The cold focus of his eyes, the determined set to his jaw, even the way he moved past his chauffeur without so much as a glance back at her. Kit Baxter was not the sort of girl most men could help from staring at. He'd been caught more than once himself. Her employer's reaction, or rather the lack of one, was strange. Too strange to be believed, the doorman thought, suppressing the smirk that came with the notion before Fenwick could see it. Good morning, sir, he said, tugging the brim of his cap and opened the main door of the club. Fenwick nodded and turned back to his driver. I won't be more than a few minutes, Kit, he said tersely. There's business to attend to yet. Yes, boss, the pretty redhead said with a smile as though she'd just been given candy. Ryan tried not to shake his head in disgust. Some guys had all the luck. Fenwick brushed past Ryan into the foyer of the club. The thick carpets padded his footsteps as he crossed the open space and into the club's reading room, where he could hear a number of voices. Normally the room might have held three or four men at this time of day, pursuing the papers in a leisurely fashion, but today there were nearly twenty, and the room buzzed with the sort of energy that was normally discouraged in the strongest possible terms. News of Martin Davies' death had obviously reached the club. He was greeted by the other members, even consoled by several which only served to sting the mystery man's conscience still more. There seemed to be little in their conversation to suggest foul play. Davies had been in good health, his business interests were strong, his personal life was above reproach. After ten minutes of conversation, Fenwick was about to make his apologies and depart, when they were joined by young Randall Allen, who had not heard the news. "'I say!' Randall had exclaimed when he was told, "'Not old Martin! Surely not!' It is true, he was told, as others nodded gravely, most of the home was destroyed in the fire as well. Randall Allen went white as a sheet. He was barely twenty-one and had likely never known a serious moment in his life. He looked as though he might faint. Good heavens, he exclaimed, to think I saw him just the other night. It was here, too. He introduced me to that Shaw fellow. August Fenwick's ears pricked up. It was an unusual sort of name to hear in the confines of the very Anglo-Saxon Club Macaw, he waited a moment for someone else to ask the question, but the general nodding of heads told him that he was the only one in the dark. Shaw, he said, trying to appear barely interested. Winston Holt leaned in quietly. You've been quite scarce lately, old man, he said. Ajay Shaw has been quite the sensation. Ajay Shaw? Fenwick could not prevent the raising of his eyebrow, but otherwise maintained his composure. A most extraordinary gentleman from the Orient, Holt said to a chorus of nods. A charming young fellow. He made quite an impression in a short time. August Fenwick felt an uncomfortable movement that he could not see. At first he thought it might just be the hairs on his neck standing on end, but a casual glance revealed a well-dressed man sliding uncomfortably from the conversation. Without looking too directly, Fenwick could see that it was Wallace Blake, looking profoundly as if he desired to be anywhere else. The discussion of the remarkable Mr. Shaw did not last long, but before it was over, Wallace Blake had backed away from the group and out of the reading room altogether. Only one pair of eyes saw him go. A few moments later, August Fenwick made his apologies and left the room himself. 
He retrieved his hat and coat from the steward and stepped through the door at full stride, not waiting for Ryan to summon his car. He opened the door himself and closed it quickly. From the front seat he could hear the startled sound of a newspaper folding hurriedly. "'That was fast,' she said, starting the car. "'Nothing to report?' "'I wouldn't say that,' he said seriously. "'What would you say?' she said, with her brows knit. Sometimes it seemed to take him a while to drop the mask of the aloof billionaire. "'The death of Martin Davies appears to be nothing more than a tragic accident,' he said with apparent finality. "'Except—' "'Oh, yes?' "'Except I happen to know that there was considerable wealth in that house. The fire would cover the loss perfectly. It seems too convenient.' "'But not impossible?' she asked. "'No,' he admitted. "'But there's something else going on here. "'Martin was playing host the other day to a visitor named Ajay Shah. "'He seems to have made quite an impression.' "'Ajay Shah,' Kit said, her nose wrinkled. "'What kind of name is that?' "'A very optimistic one,' the Red Panda said, his eyes burning with intensity. "'It means unconquerable king in Nepalese.' "'Nice,' she said. "'What do we do?' "'We've got an appointment at the Don Jail,' he said, "'and I think you're right. "'We don't have time to mess about without the costumes.' "'I'll make time,' she said quietly. "'What's that?' "'I said—' "'Never mind what I said,' she hoped he could not see her turning bright crimson. "'What do we do about this Shaw character?' "'I couldn't say for certain. "'Let's put an agent on him.' "'Let's put two, for luck,' Kit said. "'Jack Peters at the Chronicle can check to make sure he's legit, "'and Gregor Sampson can find out if he ain't.' That way you and me can focus on the antisocial little twerp that tried to blow us sky high. The Red Panther smiled grimly. It's a good plan. Let's move. The mighty engine roared at her command. Music to my ears, she said. Have you ever wanted to find a place where kids can go to listen to funny stuff? Well, you have just found it. This podcast will have jokes, kids' stories, educational stuff that kids can learn from. So tune in and enjoy the show.